Chaotic Nonsense features adult and potentially triggering themes surrounding true crime, history, the paranormal, and whatever else we want to talk about. Descriptions of violence and curse words are abundant. Please, for the love of Brando Sando, do not let your children listen and heed our trigger warnings located at the beginning of each episode and in the show notes. Keep yourself and your loved ones safe. We love you. This episode is brought to you by Dolly Parton. She's not paying us. We just really love her. We really, really love we her. We so love Dolly Parton. The fucking Dolly Parton supremacy. I'm Scoot. I'm Della. And this is Chaotic, Chaotic Nonsense. Nonsense. The nonsense was right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is the first time ever. We've connected it. Any part of it. We connected it. We did it. We figured it out. Okay. Today's fun fact is there's a city in New Zealand that has an official wizard. He <laughs> he greets fall I can believe that. Yeah, he greets foreign politicians and he makes about $10,000 a year. Um but he he's this guy it, literally on his license. It's his name is the wizard. Like that's his job title. And this this whole thing was created because essentially this guy used to dress up and be the wizard and like greet people and stuff and like one of the like ministers or something in New Zealand were like you know what that's a good fucking idea and just made it an official title New Zealand's just like that dog I the more I hear about New Zealand I'm like bro do y'all accept Americans who want like, to get the fuck out <laughs> like the more i learn about new zealand the more uh what we do in the shadows and taika watiti in general just makes sense. so much sense so much sense. Oh, it's just how it is that's just that's just everyday it's, it's just who you what are we do in the shadows is a new zealand slice of life <laughs> i love that fucking show it's so fucking stupid. I gotta watch the new season. I gotta watch the. I haven't watched. It I haven't yet. watched the new season either. I don't think. I think I finished season two and then I stopped and I was like, I'm gonna wait for more season three to come out before I like. Hang on, I gotta send you a meme though. That's <laughs> our entire life. <laughs> Excuse me. He asked for Dog, I love Guillermo so much. Like the first season, I I like I felt bad for him, right? Like I felt so bad because I'm like he's just being yeah. like taken advantage of and like. And then the second season, and he though. just turns into like a badass. He's just like he's fucking like spy killing vampires in the house <laughs> with the other vampires. <laughs> like what the? Fuck? Oh God. Well, he's been watching Naruto and learning like jutsu on the side. Like, it's such, it's such a good show. I made really good chicken. Can you stop talking about your cock on the podcast, please? No, absolutely <laughs> not. It will never happen. Jesus Christ. Okay. You cannot make me. Okay. The disclaimers. First of all, we have a a Discord server. It's full of nothing but our ridiculous friends, some of them who we don't even know in real life. Uh, but we do a ton of shit in there. We post updates about the pod, which there haven't been much recently because too much has been happening for us to get into a routine. But that should be changing soon. Um, we post a shit ton of memes. We tell stupid jokes. There's 
there's a whole section. We talk about a, a lot of anime. We talk about a lot of fucking anime and yell about it. There's a whole section that is just my entire section of just being stupid on there. Um, <laughs> there's the zoo where you, mostly me, post screenshots of us being fucking stupid elsewhere on the internet. <laughs> And it's hilarious. Uh, but there's also places where you can suggest uh, different topics or fun facts or chaotic nonsense topics or, or sorry, after dark topics uh, and other shit. So if you're and into it. you don't it, even have to be like a patron or anything to join. No, it's, it's just it's, it's just fucking open, man. Uh, as long as you follow our rules and you're not a dick, anyone's allowed. So, yeah, if you want to join, uh, the link is posted on all of our social media um, or you can message me directly wherever and I'll give you the link so you could join it. And obviously I have not, I cannot tell you when this outline was actually written. And I vaguely recall the information in this episode, but the details are going to be brand new to me for, for a second time. So the reaction hey, that sounds good to me. The reactions are going to be like totally authentic from both of us. <laughs> I have no idea what I put in this fucking episode. <laughs> um, what, what even is this episode? So we're on 14. We're talking about uh, Kamako Kimura, a.k.a. Madam Butterfly, a.k.a. Fuck you, I do what I want, and I do it well. Uh, she's a super cool lady. Um, but I also want to make a quick disclaimer that I I don't speak English well, and it's my main, it's my only language that I'm fluent in and grew up speaking at all. And uh, I struggle with English. That means other languages, especially languages that are not like Germanic languages, I struggle with those <laughs> a lot. So if I say something wrong, like I'm doing my best, I, I get Google to tell me how to say it, but most of the time I can't retain that fucking information. So if I say it completely wrong or I'm just like, I can't say this, I'm not being dismissive and I'm not being like rude or bigoted or anything. It's because my mouth literally cannot connect to my brain in a way that can make the right mouth noises. <laughs> so I apologize, especially in this one, because uh, Kamoko, Kamako was, she's, she was Japanese. So I know that there's going to be some Japanese words in here and I'm probably going to fuck them up. So I apologize <laughs> in advance, but I'm going to try to do my best. Okay. <laughs> Please leave me alone. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll make fun of you. <sighs> hell. Um, I did put one trigger warning on this, uh, and it just says anti-feminism. So, uh, yeah, if there's any other trigger warnings, I'll go back in and add them later. Okay. So, Kamako Kimura. Whomst the hell is that? Well, she was a Japanese suffragist, an actor, a dancer theater manager, and a magazine editor all before World War II. That's cool. Born in Tokyo, July 29th, 1887, and she was the youngest of three sisters. Her father was the chief clerk of a firefighting pump dealer. Uh, he, <laughs> he got in a little bit of trouble. Uh, he was extorted by a money lender and lost all of his money, 
Uh, so he moved to Taiwan to find work, and he left all of his family behind in Japan when um, Kamoko what Kamako was eight years old. Uh, first of all, heartbreaking. That's awful. Second of all, I would kill my fucking husband. Right? Like, the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you dealing with loan sharks, dude? Like, what, what got us here? And then you just up and leave? You leave me with all these fucking kids? Are you out of your mind? You are out of your mind. Okay. Fucking insane. Okay. At the age of three, she started to learn Nihon Boyo, Buyo, um, and Kabuki at five. Nihon Buyo means Japanese dance, and it's sometimes mixed with like comedy. So it's done in a theater on a stage. Um, it's not just like any Japanese dance. It's um, only performed in theaters by geisha and kabuki performers. That's cool. Yeah. So there's there's specifics on what is considered this and what is not. Um, kabuki is mainly based around drama with these like super big elaborate costumes. Now, before really researching this, the only interaction I had with the word kabuki was fucking Scooby-Doo. And there was an episode with like George Takei. <laughs> he was like a kabuki owner. Something. Okay. So when I read this and I was like, wait a minute. Like it connected in my head. But it's this really beautiful form of dance and theater. Where it's like oh, yeah, super it's, dramatic. It's super cool. Yeah. So she used her training in this to support her family when she was very young. She joined a touring theater in um, Kumato. She went to a school founded by a person named Junko Takazaki, where the girls there were not only encouraged to learn um, and become good traditional Japanese wives and mothers, which at the time, I mean, this is, she was born in... 87 1887 you can imagine what their expectations for little girls yeah. and women were they were also encouraged to uh, be personalities so like of course it's in relation to theater right if if you're dull and shit you're not gonna do good on the stage you have to be expressive right. you have to be have this big personality i don't know who the owner of the school was because Google didn't help me at all with this. But like I said, during this time, it was like this whole thing with women where they were supposed to be like these little homemakers, but Japanese men also wanted them to be interesting, but not so interesting that they had an education or had kind of any independent thoughts. They were only meant to like entertain their husband in a way that he deemed appropriate. Just, just fucking kill me. Sounds a lot like today, honestly. <laughs> just fucking kill me. Of course, she said, fuck all that. And with the help of the school's headmaster, she was encouraged to read and think for herself and have her own big personality, which was incredibly unusual at the time. Uh, she took a class on literature. And was super inspired by male thinkers, right? Like um, Byron, Wilde, Emerson. So she started studying these 
And uh, Byron is actually one of those people that they thought could have possibly been Shakespeare. We talked about him in the yeah, Shakespeare that. Didn't Exist episode. Yeah. So these types of writers, right? Super introspective, eccentric, very big, large thinkers at the time, right? That's who she was like kind of latching onto. Um, she also latched onto uh, Ellen Key, who was a Swedish feminist at the time. And look, I Googled her, okay? Her, her fucking wiki said that she was educated, but then became more radically liberal. It says, quote, that was the outcome of extensive reading, end quote. Like, what does that mean? It's the same argument of people who say, oh, you send your kids to college and the college universities turn them liberal. So what you mean is they get access to opinions outside of the echo chamber you raise them in and maybe they form some ideas that are different from your own because they get some new perspective or how about they <laughs> fucking learn to critically think <laughs> they learn to use that big ass brain in their head and realize <laughs> that you were a fucking idiot jesus christ um ellen key believed that the young held the power and basically that everyone should have access to things like housing and health care which we still in our country have not been able to yeah, I was gonna say what what year was this the 18 well she was born in 80 1887 so this is like before 1900 <laughs> so. and this is still a conversation that we're having i fucking hate it here where's my aliens Beam me up, Scotty, please. Essentially, the people that she really latched onto, the writers that she was really interested in and really influenced her were people who were, at the time, considered to be part of modernism and individualism, right? Uh At one point, sometime when she was younger, a man offered her parents money to make her his concubine. Oh, geez. Some sources say wife. You know, some sources say wife, but there's no real way for us to know specifically what he was asking for probably Um, you know third or fourth wife her parents accepted of course but she (laughs) she she took all of her wedding stuff like all of her jewelry and her her wedding dresses and everything and she sold it and booked a train ticket (laughs) amazing (laughs) fucking good for you amazing i like this woman um So she ran away, and then she held a variety of odd jobs. Uh, She was the first telephone operator in uh, Kumamoto, and then she was also a teacher at one point. A friend of hers um, helped support her. Their name was Kimura uh, Bonsaku. They supposedly became wealthy by making soy sauce. I say supposedly because the only information that I could find on this person is in relation to Kamako. So I cannot verify that this was accurate. Oh my God, it's John Kickleman. She may have also apprenticed as a geisha for three years, but there's no like written record that I could find on the internet um, to confirm that. You know, I feel like... I feel like um, Lady DeMoppin would like this bitch. Best fucking friends. <laughs> best. Fu- it's it's the scene in Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> That's what it is. Bonsaku 
had a nephew. He was a divorcee by the name of Kimura Hideo. Now, she fell in love with him, okay? Hideo majored in religious studies at UC Berkeley, and then he worked in medicine. He utilized strategies such as hypnosis. Ooh, fancy. So... Cutting edge at the time, I'm sure. Listen, they didn't know anything. It was the early 1900s. I don't even think germ. When were germs discovered? Uh, <laughs> when were germs discovered? Uh, discovery of bacteria was in 1676. Oh, okay. So then they knew about germs. Never mind. Oh, they this were says, just- eight, excuse me, 1861, there was a germ theory published, which linked bacteria and diseases okay so germs were kind of new to them then yeah so hypnosis being cutting edge might be a little closer than you think right (laughs) um he created his own religion or spiritual organization Uh, apparently she worked with him at some point as his spiritual assistant and she gained quite a reputation. Howdy, baby. What are you doing? She gained a reputation for being a clairvoyant and sticking, sticking needles in her arms. Don't ask me to clarify because after that, I just put a whole bunch of question marks. Oh, no. Yeah, what? Uh, it might have been acupuncture, but there's no way to confirm or deny that. So, oh, she stuck needles in her arms and she could speak to spirits, apparently. Um my next bullet point literally says, don't ask me any more info on that because there is none. Don't know. Okay. I wonder if she was friends with uh, with uh, Lorraine Warren or Loretta or whatever her name is. Lorraine and no, I think that <laughs> I think that Kimora was long gone by the time. Oh my God. That would have made them besties. Oh God. That would have been. Because it doesn't. Because she could, she saw ghosts. I don't. I don't think that that would have been a good thing. I don't. Anyway, moving on. Um. So they had an illegitimate son together in February of 1908, whom they. Oh named. yeah, because she was supposed to be married, wasn't she? At this point, they were not married yet. Um. Uh, but they named their son Shoji. <laughs> Are you just? Are you just seeing the dude from My Hero? Is that who you're picturing? Is that? Listen, I told you I forgot the details of this. And when I was reading that sentence, my head was like, oh my God. <laughs> Shoji. Is that all you're seeing now? Is just the guy from My Hero? With all the mouths and the hands. It's okay, because I'm, I'm picturing Hideo Kojima as, <laughs> as the dad in this story. So Jesus fucking Christ. Um, oh my god this next bullet point I'm going to read it word by word apparently that's the name of a character from My Hero Academia which I need to fucking watch Jesus fucking Christ scoop oh yeah so you made this no no, listen listen also I googled the name and one of the first things was does Shoji have a mouth and then I learned he has tentacles where he can grow a mouth so that's fun also the answer is maybe when he breaks his tentacles this show has taken over my life it's 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 not only taken over my current life it has also taken over my past life apparently yeah 
Jesus. Um, yeah. So, according to Kimura, um, his name meant life and death because that uh, sums up the story of a human being. In May of 1909, the family moved to Tokyo where they legally married and then they had another child by the fall of 1911. Uh, during this time, she took acting classes, but she stopped because the child that they had in 1911, a daughter, unfortunately passed away in 1912. Mm. Yeah. Um, sometime before 1917, so sometime between 1912 and 1917, they moved to New York. Now, while all this is happening, her career starts to kind of form and who she is as a person and who she becomes it starts to form. So she was ostracized because she had a kid out of wedlock, which made it difficult for her to hold down a job anywhere. Because as soon as they found out that she had a kid, but she wasn't legally married, kick her out, right? Uh, right. Sometime before they moved to Tokyo, she was accepted into the Imperial Actresses Training School. Um, but they kicked her out when they found out she was unmarried with a child. She did, throughout her entire lifetime, perform in about 500 plays from Shakespearean heroines to any other type of role she could get her hands on. She loved the stage. She loved being in theater because it was one of the only ways that women could really flourish in a male-dominated society, such as this time in Japan. She is quoted um, to saying... Only the women of the stage have an opportunity to talk to men of affairs, which they didn't even allow their wives to talk to them about anything other than what was happening in the household, which honestly would drive me up the fucking wall. Like I would become a, f I would oh, yeah, kill we would my be, husband. We'd be institutionalized for his women hysteria or some crap like that. I mean, female if, hysteria. if we were, we would just get. A, a, a prescription for vibrators and dildos. So, like, honestly, eh. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, while she was on stage and after the performances, she wasn't seen as inferior to men. So, that's what, another reason that she really, really, really liked it. She could speak to and associate men, with men and they became influenced by her opinions and they listened to her because of who she portrayed herself to be on stage. Um, she became the manager of two theaters in Tokyo called the Kimura Kamako Theater and the Toki Waza. So she kind of moved up the ladder as far as being in theater is concerned. Um, now her politics. This is where she becomes really famous. And this is where you kind of see behind the scenes of who she is as a person. So she did not claim to be a socialist, but she wanted more openness, openness of thought and art in Japan. So she began writing for the socialist journal called the Kumamoto Hairon. Hi, I don't know how to say this word. I'll have to get Raffle to tell me how to say it. I attempted to. I don't know. But the basis is that she was writing for a socialist journal. Um, in 1912, she created a movement called the True New Woman's Association with two other women, um, Fumiko and Mitsuko. Mitsuko. 
what does that word mean? Despite their apparently disparate, disparate personalities. So Fumiko and Mitsuko. No, not desperate. It's Fumiko and Mitsuko were not as hardcore as Kimura was. So they believed in it, but they weren't as loud as she was. Okay. So that caused a lot of like strife and conflict. Um, they created a lecture series and a magazine, both of them entitled The New, the New True Woman. Um, this could have possibly been a slight against another feminist group that called themselves New Women, which is kind of gross, but... I don't know the nuances behind this, and this is the early 20th century, so, like, eh, maybe this was the right move? Don't know. In the first publication of the magazine, um, Kimura described how she did not just want to change the law and give women and men equal rights on paper. In one of the publications, it said, quote, Sisters of the world, let's gather our power and shock the men who belittle us by saying, what can women do, end quote. So she didn't want to have like a placating, like here, here's your rights. But then in the cultural and society aspects to not have that actually translate to treating women right. better. Her goal was to educate women to be strong-willed and thoughtful. Um, she wanted them provided with an education that was equal to that of men and no longer have to refer to the men in their lives to make decisions, right? So she didn't want to be stuck in this society where she couldn't make a move without asking her husband. And she didn't want any other woman in society to be stuck in that kind of that kind of frame. Hell yeah. Right? I support it. The first speech that Kimura gave was in 1913, and it was called Love and Self-Realization for Women. And the magazine itself was considered radical because it criticized marriage and was the first Japanese publication to talk about the use of birth control, which was... That was three years before my great-grandmother was born. Yeah, this was not a time where they saw kindly to birth control. <laughs> no. But it's just crazy to put that in perspective because you and I both knew my great grandma. Mm -hmm. Like she was alive well into our lives. And this is just three years before she was born. Right. It kind of <laughs> gives you like a uh, like a, a frame of reference. Yeah. For all of this. Um, now, the two women that were creating all of this with her, uh, once it got bigger, right? Once Kimura started being louder, their husbands were like, nope, we're pulling the fucking plug and we're not doing this anymore because apparently it was having some blowback on the husbands in their like professional and social lives, which is like, oh, I'm sure it was this. That's the like, whole fucking point of the whole thing. That's the reason that you're doing it. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous to me. That's why I say I said that the two women that she started this with were not on her level. You know what I mean? Also, apparently, sometimes Kimura would speak with women about feminism and equality, and the women would be like, oh, I'll ask my dad about that. <laughs> you do that, sweetie. Like, okay, sure. Uh, someone said about her, they said, quote, 
Kimura and the others were unconventional and strange women. She possessed a poetic aspect of ardent love, somewhat resembling Fumiko. But in any case, Kamako was unable to fake her personality and stoked the flames of her passion in her own way, end quote. So essentially, she couldn't put on a front for fucking anybody. She was loud. (laughs) She was opinionated. And she was not about to change for fucking anyone. Good for you. I like this lady. Good for you. All right. Let's talk about suffrage. So this is where she gets international with it. Okay. Up until this point, it's all focused in Japan and uh, helping Japanese women. She's about to go global. She worked specifically in Japan for women's suffrage for around five years, doing the magazine and doing lectures. But of course, she kept hitting walls. She wasn't fucking getting anywhere. Uh, So they had issues with funding. The government hated her. Um, There was a total lack of precedence for Japanese women to have these types of I'm surprised they didn't have her assassinated. Right? I'm surprised she, like, was able to come out of all of this alive. Um, Right? Because she was having all of these issues, in 1917, she visited America to get inspiration from American women and to raise some funds um, via these American women who had more supporters and had um, kind of more leeway and more room to move around than she did. Uh, She is said that she admired them because they could use makeup and clothing to express themselves as people. This was something that she was really focused on in Japan because she claims that it took women like an hour to do their hair and get dressed because even when they were just in the house, even when they were just homemakers, they were expected to look traditional at all times. At all times, they were expected to look like traditional Japanese women, which means like that big hair with all the adornments mm-hmm. and like the, uh, I don't know what they're called, but the clothing with all the wraps and everything. Like the kimonos and stuff. Mm-hmm. At all times. And apparently this made it like super impossible to move around and do housework in, which I could, I could fucking see that, right? That would drive me out of my mind. Yeah, for real. While she's there, she's invited to come speak because that's what she's done in Japan. Um, and it was said that she, quote, in the softest of voices and with the most delightful accent imaginable, but the softness of the expression could not conceal the decisiveness of the convictions, end quote. Now, that's a kind of gross way to describe her, but not unexpected. And it's kind of funny to me. Especially because I am very loud and I am very brash and opinionated. It is funny to me that when specifically a woman who is rather soft-spoken, who is very polite, when those type of women speak to men or to people who oppose feminism, and they, it's funny to me how people are shocked Right. Like they have in their head this idea of what a feminist looks like and sounds like and how she speaks and the words she chooses. So when it's someone who is not adhering to those stereotypes, it cracks me the fuck up. I love it. I wish I was able to mask like that because it would catch so many people off guard. So they wrote a bunch of articles about her. They got circulated fucking all over the U.S. and 
all over um, like Europe and even Japan. Um, they referred to her a lot as the little Japanese lady because she was only about four foot eight. And it, that's just so condescending. That's super condescending. Oh, but she's she's so it's little. So she's from Japan. And just play and 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 being avid weebs now, it just hearing real people referred to in such a language just makes me sick. <laughs> yeah. So when they wrote these things about her, right? When they published these articles, at the time it was seen as like this solidarity thing. But people were also acting like she was super like quote unquote exotic, which we know is incredibly problematic now. But it just comes across as so disgusting because it seems like they didn't care about her message. They only wanted to see this small Japanese woman who dressed traditionally and was soft-spoken, like, super up close. That's it. It was like a Saito attraction. They didn't actually care about what she was saying. They didn't want to actually help out. They just literally wanted to come and see someone of a different race and ethnicity talk. It's, it's so disgusting to me. And like, and at the end of the day, did it help get the word out? Yeah. Did a lot of people probably understand and hear the message that wouldn't have gotten heard or understood without that? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. But it's just, it just don't it's, sit right in my belly. It, it feeds into the, to the fetishization of mm-hmm. Asian women. You know what I mean? Especially that she's like a geisha and all that stuff. Like, eh. There's that, that's, we don't have time to unpack all of that, <laughs> but it's, it's no. a whole thing. But I'm sure she knew this and I'm sure she used it to her advantage. So like fucking good for you. Yeah. During her visit, she met with the first ever female of, con- of um, female member of Congress, Jeanette Rankin, as well as President Woodrow Wilson at the time. She also marched in the October 27th, 1917 suffrage mark in New York. You've seen the pictures. I can send That's you a copy. Cool. I can send you a copy of the picture. This picture is in every, every fucking history book, even in the middle of the South where we're from. Where they reluctantly have to say that women have rights. Right. You get like a two paragraph notation about women's suffrage. Um, After this, she goes back to Japan and she just, she keeps working, man. She keeps doing her thing. She's happy. She feels like she's making progress. She still has all of these American publications writing about her. Like she's getting the word out, but big brother government. Of course. Really don't like it now. Yeah. Now they, they didn't like it before. Now it's like, oh yeah, you go to another fucking country. You make us look like fucking idiots. January of 1918, the government officially suppressed her magazine. This also extended to all of her public lectures and she was not allowed to hold any kind of, um, any kind of meetings in public areas. She said, oh, wow, they suspended uh, her right to gather. Yeah, so she said, you know what? Fuck you. And uh, she started writing and acting as the lead in a play that was titled Ignorance. Uh, Of course, this pissed them off because they were alpha men and you're supposed to listen to us or whatever. So they told her that she better go back to being that meek little woman or she was going to have all of her theaters closed. Uh, So what does she do? 
she makes all of her plays free to the public. Fantastic. Just an outstanding move, man. Like, out of this world, outstanding. And you can't put me out of business if I put myself out of business first. <laughs> yeah, but then on the final night of one of her plays, uh, or well, of ignorance, uh, she got arrested. So, meet womp. Womp womp. Uh, during the trial, she acted as her own defense, uh, which would normally be like, no, baby, don't fucking do that. But, but. She did a really fucking good job. She used it as like a platform to spread her rhetoric. So she didn't really see it as like, oh, I need to save my life. I'm going to be put in jail. She was like, oh, word? You're going to have more publicists here? Like people taking pictures? We're about to jack this shit up to to 25, man. Uh, And then the government being total fucking idiots they unwittingly promoted her views uh, and causes during the trial because they just fucking let her keep talking and arguing they didn't shut her up they just let her keep going hilarious so funny after her arrest the family moved to america Sometime after that, they spent about eight years living there. She continued to act and advance her career in that. And she also continued to advocate for women's suffrage. She performed at Carnegie Hall and on Broadway. That's cool. So that's cool. Fucking good for her. 1925, they moved back to Japan where she wrote several books about meditation and breathing techniques, including a book called A Textbook on the Art of Dancing and the Art of Kanon. She tried to open an art school at one point, but for whatever reason, it didn't actually happen. 1945, Japan changed their laws officially to allow women to vote, and she was credited as one of the main influences for this change. November of 1980, she passed away at 92 years old. So she lived a super full life. It sounds like she had just an incredible time and she made a lot of fucking waves she and I sounds like, her. like a boss ass bitch i like her a lot yeah She's... i want to be her friend yes i 100 percent would like to be her friend i don't know that we would have been friends at the time if i was born in that era but oh, now no, i want to be not. her friend now yeah i want to be her friend now so i let me let me let me send you the picture because I know that you've seen this picture and I had seen this picture a million times but I didn't realize the significance of it. I didn't know who she actually was. Um and it just never really hit me that this was overly important in some type of way. Like I always assumed like yeah, oh yeah, a Japanese woman mm. talking about women's suffrage and what appears to be America. Like, yeah, that's a big deal. But I never realized how big of a deal that it was. So I just sent you the picture of her while yeah, she's at the it. Women's March. So she's got um, she's got a kimono on. She's got her traditional hair. She's holding up a American flag and a Japanese flag. And then she's got a big sash across her chest that says Women's Suffrage Party. So that's who she was. Let me show you this other picture. This is her in her full like theater getup. Oh wow. Yeah, she was she was a really beautiful woman. And she had here's one that shows exactly how little she was. Cause that man's not excessively tall. You said she was like what, four something? Um, yeah, it was like four eight or something like that. I can't remember exactly what I said. 
Where'd you go? That's yeah, so she was tiny. four foot eight. That's so tiny. Yeah, she was very small. But she was very beautiful. And obviously, she was very smart. She was very intelligent. And I'm really proud of her. I hope she knows mm-hmm. that. I hope she's like up in heaven or whatever, however you believe life ends. And I hope that like she knows that she actually did some good, that it was all fucking worth it. Because I'm sure at the time, sometimes it felt like hell, right? Oh, I'm sure. So I hope that she realizes that she she did make a huge difference. Let's make a time machine and go back and tell her. Okay. Actually, I want to go back and, and and give her some more tools so can, she can do her job more like quickly. Like a smartphone? Yeah. Well, no, it wouldn't work. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Well, that's the episode. That's Kamako Kimura, a.k.a. Madam Butterfly, which is like her stage name, a.k.a. Fuck you. I do what I want and I do it well. So she's the lady that uh, Bayonetta's familiar must have been based on. Madama Butterfly. Really? Oh, I don't know. I'm just Lady Butterfly, Madama Butterfly. Maybe. Being a boss-ass bitch. Bayonetta takes no shit. I don't... Did you used to play Bayonetta, like, in high school? If it came out then, yeah. I don't remember when Bayonetta came out, but yeah. Because I don't know what it is. Oh, it's 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 Devil May Cry, but you play a girl. 2009. So then, yeah, we probably played... Yeah, we probably oh, played it. Oh, I remember this bitch with the big gun. The big pistol. Yeah, she's getting a, a third game just got announced. Yeah, I know. They were, Raffle was talking about it. Raffle and I think Chaos or somebody were talking about it in the mm. Discord. And I was like, I don't know who you're talking about. It's a very fun game. Yeah, I remember you playing this. I remember watching you play this. I just remember the gun and being like, this is the most fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and then she can like get down on her back and use her feet. Yeah, she like, guns. she like, yeah, yeah. And she's like campy sexual. It's like she's the a Hawkeye She's initiative. apparently a, like, a, like a trans and drag queen icon. I could see that. What's the next episode? Okay. Um, next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Christ. Hold on, I'll tell you. Fucking go to normal Google. Thank you. I want to say... Well, if you don't know, I mean, it's fine. I was just... No, the next one, I wanted to confirm, because I didn't want you to get excited and then me be wrong. Uh, the next one is Cryptids. Ooh. So. You are right. I uh, am <laughs> excited. Yeah, I, did, I just didn't want you to get overly excited if I was I'll be wrong. sure to wear my Mothman hoodie oh and my, my Mothman shirt. Oh, my God. Um. I have, like, an extensive list of a ton of different cryptids from all over the world and all over different cultures. Um, I'm probably going to end up dropping um, a portion of the list into the server to have everyone vote on which specific ones that we'll talk about. Because there's there's a lot. Um, oh, there's wa- a ton. Yeah. I want to do some that are maybe real, and then I want to do some that are absolutely fake well so yeah i'll drop some into the server me raffle avon and rubber ducks can tell you all about the um skunk ape if you want some information on that one the swamp squatch i think that that one's on my list he lives in florida i'm gonna drop him him. (laughs) well now we have to do him but i'll drop a list and um everyone can tell me what they want to hear so if you want to 
have any kind of uh, sway in upcoming episodes, be sure to join the Discord server. Be sure to check out all of our social media and engage with us, please. I'd love to hear from anyone who is listening about anything. It makes me super happy. about your day. Yeah, just fucking scream about anything that you want. Literally, we do not care. Um, We can be the void if we need to be. I don't care at all. And I think that that's it. I think that we are are ready for the sign-off for the first time. In months. Uh, the sign off today is you'll be okay. You have no choice. Scooby Doo ending. God, how stupid it feels to do that. Oh my God. Fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs>